couple months ago, we we had this idea to put together a missions expo because it's been a been a little while since we've done one, and we said. Well, instead of focusing on summer mission trips, I wonder if we could focus on partnerships. And if we could focus on partnerships, I wonder if any of our partners would be willing to come join us. And so we threw out some emails and, you know, some of our leaders within Bridgeway who are kind of our liaisons to different countries, more or less, to put the feelers out. And right behind me is what you have. That's right. Amen. <clears throat> So these folks have come in from all over the world, and uh, I wanted to take some time to put them before you so you can see their face, get to know them a little bit. Um, my plan here is to just kind of go down the line and, int- and introduce them, um, just tell you a little bit about who they are and what they do, and then um, after that we're going to kind of excuse them and spend a little bit more time with a couple of them, which we are rotating between services. So if there's somebody here you really want to hear about and you don't get to hear about them, come back tomorrow and you can hear about them. Or you guys saw when you walked in that uh, the lobby's pretty well decked out. So um, they're here. They, they're excited to talk with you. And uh, don't rush off to dinner tonight. I know you're hungry, but spend some time. We've got some all-stars in the kingdom here with us. So uh, they'd love to just be with you. So uh, I'm going to introduce these folks to you. Uh, just looking down this line, I'm just excited. I love this. So um, standing here to my immediate left, this is Angel Warrior. Yes, that's her real name, Angel Warrior. And she loves that I mentioned that many times, I'm sure. Uh, Angel leads a ministry um, here in the United States called The Seed Group. And The Seed Group partners with another ministry in India called GEMS. Gospel Echoing Missionary Society. Are you surprised I remembered that? Thank you. Um, And uh, so what Angel does is facilitates partnerships between American churches and unreached villages in India. And so Bridgeway is entering into a partnership um, with Angel and with a village in India. And GEMS in India is going to send out a missionary couple, a local Indian trained up um, missionary couple sent out to this village who's going to take up residence there. They're going to start an after-school program, which Bridgeway will sponsor, so that 50 children can come and be part of this after-school program. And through that, they make relationships in the community. And after that, uh, you know, the goal is to plant the church and for more to hear the good news of the word. So that is Angel's heart and passion, and uh, she'd love to chat with you more about that. Next to Angel is Luis, visiting us from Nicaragua. You can give him a round of applause. That's awesome. (laughs) So Luis is here representing Imagine Ministries, who we've been partnered with for several years. Um, He's on staff with them. He's also a product of the ministry. So when Imagine came into his community in Los Brasiles, uh, Luis was one of the early kids in there, and uh, the uh, impact of the ministry changed his world, and he is on staff with them now. So we're blessed to have him with us. Um, thank you. This gentleman to my left, um, this is Pastor Cornet from Haiti. Also, he's also a very good, close, personal friend of mine. Uh, and uh, if you guys know a little bit about our story going to Haiti for many years, uh, this is the man right here. This is the first time in six years that I've gotten to get him here uh, to visit us here at Bridgeway. So, Wonderful, wonderful man of God, um, doing a lot of good work there. We're going to talk to him a little bit more um, in, in the service in a second. This is, step back, best. <laughs> 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 it's 
Standing next to Pastor is our friend Cece, a wonderful translator. Thank you, Cece. Um, Cece lives with her family in Fort Lauderdale, and we are blessed that she could come and spend time with us. She's a great friend. And next to Cece is Madame Cornet, Pastor Cornet's lovely wife and partner in ministry. And if you guys have been here for a little while, you might recognize this handsome gentleman uh, next to them, Pastor Stephen Trent from Uganda. That's right. We're thankful the pastor's going to be here with us for uh, most of the month of October. Um, there's, we have several opportunities lined up for you to come learn about the uh, summer mission trip, which Pastor Lance is going to be a part of, as well as just hear more about um, the ministry, Yaka Africa. Um, and Pastor Steve, as always, is ex- as excited to be with us as we are to have him. So he loves you guys. <clears throat> and next to Steve, we have the first of two gyms. They like to stand next to each other just to confuse me, but that's okay. Uh, this is Jim Berman. Jim Berman is representing Agape International Missions, who does ministry work in Cambodia. That's right. Go ahead. <clears throat> Agape International Missions is focused on prevention, rescue, restoration, and reintegration of girls who've been um, a part of the sex trafficking industry, who've been taken or who've been given up into that industry. And so they actually have a SWAT team that goes in and pulls girls out of brothels. And I was told recently that they've just rescued their 100th minor um, pulled out of a brothel. So that's a big, big win for that ministry. Uh, I also understand that uh, this may be outdated information, so you can correct me, Jim, but um, IJM actually pulled out of Cambodia at one point, so AIM is the only organization in Cambodia that's doing this uh, SWAT team-type work, and they work closely with government and are having a lot of lot of success in rescuing girls, so that's really... Uh, next to Jim Berman is Jim Sorrells, and Jim is the president of Heart to Heart uh, International in Romania. That's right. Give it up for Jim. And they work with uh, orphaned youth in Romania, all the way from birth in baby hospitals through government-run orphanages through adolescence, and even um, they run a transition program where they take uh, the kids when they become 18, have to age out of the orphanage system. They help them integrate into productive and fruitful Christian lives in society. And... um, Next to them, we have two lovely couples visiting us from Mexicali, Mexico. (laughs) These represent two local churches in the Mexicali area. We have Pastor Gustavo and his wife, Francis Salazar. That's right. You can go ahead. (laughs) And next to them is uh, Pastor John and his wife, Alicia Thompson. Uh Uh-huh. Also a blessing to spend time with, so again, please don't rush out of here, but they have uh, a deep, deep heart for um, rough communities uh, in Mexicali, and they do significant outreach into the community in the brickyards um, and and the dump, that's right, and so they go into some of the hardest of the hard places. I know they've also gone into prisons and done outreach in the prisons, so uh, they have a deep heart for that community in Mexicali, Mexico. And uh, Pastor Matt Bach and some of his team and leaders lead that partnership for us. And um, they are prepping for a team this coming um, spring break in April. 
So if you want to put that on your calendar, get an application in. It's an inexpensive trip and an opportunity to be a part of some awesome kingdom work down in Mexicali. So I invite you to be a part of that. And um, the furthest traveled all the way from Antelope, California, this is Kurt Lewis. Uh, <clears throat> Kurt um, is the uh, Sacramento office director of World Relief Sacramento. And their primary, World Relief is a large multinational organization, but here in Sacramento, their primary focus is to reintegrate refugees who are fleeing from danger and persecution in foreign nations. And so um, this is obviously a hot topic in our community and in our media, and Kurt would absolutely love to talk to you about uh, what the truths are, what the realities are, and um, what the Christian response is and how we can be a part of um, loving on and sharing the love of Christ with um, our global neighbors who are coming to us. So we're blessed to have Kurt with us, and I hope you spend some time with him. I just want to take a quick minute and ask you guys some questions. I'm going to hand this microphone to you, Cece. Okay, so Pastor, help us understand a little bit more about the ministry in Haiti. Um, we know that you started, you planted the church with the team, uh, the mission in Carrefour, which is just outside of the Port-au-Prince area, capital city of Haiti, um, in the early 90s, 1991, I believe it was. But the ministry has grown since then. Tell us a little bit more about your heart and about your ministry. Okay, Pastor Connor, comme nous connaissons que ou implanter ministère ou en année 1991, est-ce que vous capable de faire l'église qu'on est aujourd'hui à quelque chose à propos de ministère ou comment gérer l'église là et comment ça y est dans le pays? D'abord, nous remercions le Seigneur qui permet que nous fonctionnions dans Christ là et nous saluons tous les collègues et l'église en général. Haïti salue nous, l'église salue nous. First of all, we want to thank God for you. We thank God for this church. We thank God for the opportunity that we have to be here today. And in, in the name of my church, I greet you and then I bless you in the name of the Lord. Moi, c'est Pastor Cordin. Moi, dirigez Mission Église Chrétienne Union de la Foi. My name is Pastor Corner. My mission is Mission Christian of Faith. C'est une mission qui a environ 13 églises. We have about 13 churches. Et nous, à travers plusieurs départements Haïti. We are about in a three state in Haiti. Et nous avons travaillé depuis, les choses sont implantées depuis en 1991. We started that mission in back to 1991. Et pour Prince, c'est 130 missions que nous avons réunis à 500-600 chrétiens. Carrefour um, is the main church, and then we used to win out with about 500 or 600 We give thanks to the Lord, and then we thank you for sending Matt and Tiffany since after the earthquake, and then they walk with us, and then they help us in many ways, and then we thank you for that. C'est une équipe qui travaille dans plusieurs domaines avec nous Haïti, dans le domaine santé, dans le domaine spirituel et dans le domaine social. Those teams they help us in many ways, spiritually, with medical help, with financial help. We can't thank you enough. 
Et ça encourage nous grandement dans le Seigneur. And then they really encourage us to keep serving the Lord. Dieu merci encore. And then we thank you again and again. That's right. So you may have missed it, but there, as I said, there's a main church in the Carrefour area outside of Port-au-Prince and 13 um, daughter churches, church plants, plants throughout Haiti in a lot of different um, parts of the country. So I want to hear quickly from Madam Pastor. Madam, uh, you guys have been serving tirelessly for 25 years in this ministry. We know that the ministry does not pay much, if anything, but um, you are a tireless worker. You guys um, pour yourself out for your country. So tell us a little bit about uh, just your heart for the country, the condition of the country, and why you do what you do. Madam Pastor, we know that you are a man who really loves the country. You have a heart in the country, and you have 25 years to serve God and serve the community. Are you able to talk a little bit about the work and the heart that you have to do to camp in the country and the community? I salute the church in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, church, I greet you. Vous tendez non déjà, c'est Madame Pasteur Corner. As you know, my name is Master, Mrs. Pastor Corner. Nous ayons une ambition pour que nous joignons un homme qui perdu pour Jésus. Our purpose is to find the soul that God, that the devil stole from God. Parce que depuis nous joignons avec Jésus, nous pas jamais regrette et parce que nous avons servi Jésus, nous t'aimer l'autre monde yo vini. According to my personal experience with the Lord, I will never regret that I meet that man one day. So my desire is that every single person on earth can have that same feeling. So that this is one of the things who motivate me to talk to people and then to tell them about Jesus and what he has done in my life. And he can do it in everybody's life. Et que missionnaire qui travaille pour Jésus, moi t'a aimé joindre dans tout département, dans tout côté en Haïti et dans prison yo, dans l'hôpital yo, dans lieu prostitué yo, dans gouvernement, dans tout côté nous t'a aimé nan yo vini à Jésus pour yo pas perdu, pour yo ka So as a missionary, I'm going to need your prayer because my purpose is touch life in jail, in the hospital, in the government, all over Haiti. I need your prayer. I need you to stand on prayer with me so God can use me in my ministry to touch those lives. Parce que Dieu dit, côté li réservé pour nous, pied pour quoi là, mais pour qu'on touche, c'est un bagage spécial. Nous ne sommes pas nous-mêmes seulement qui a le jouili, nous sommes tout haïtien. Bon Dieu béni. We know God's grace. We know how good it is. We know how wonderful he is. So I'm sure that you and I, we all want other people to be enjoy those opportunities. So about uh, a couple years, well, about two years ago, in the summer of 2014, 
Kevin Kurtz, who I've played softball with in the past, he comes and says, Matt, I would like to go to Haiti and see, feel the Lord calling me there. I don't know exactly why, but um, I'm going to obey, and we're going to go and see what God wants to do. And through that, um, God kind of turned on a light bulb in Kevin, as he does for a lot of us when we kind of venture out in obedience and say, yes, Lord. And um, through a series of events and uh, really visions from the Lord, um, Kevin felt a calling uh, to utilize some of his background and training in pastoral ministry to do some um, pastor training. And so we started partnering with Pastor Cornet, casting this vision, and saying, Pastor, um, we feel like the Lord might want us to do some stuff to help other pastors in Haiti to equip them, train them for the work of the ministry. So, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit more about kind of what's been going on with uh, this, these pastors' conferences and kind of the, the vision behind that? We are so blessed to sit under Pastor Lance and Pastor Parnell and so many other guest speakers that come through here and their teaching. We're very spoiled, so I hope that we acknowledge that. And I wanted the, the pastors and leaders of Haiti to hear kind of the messages that we've been hearing here, our identity in Christ. What does that mean to be identified with Christ? And so uh, the first message was Nehemiah, how God called up one man to pray and fast for his nation and then to be a leader for his people and to speak truth into his people, Israelites. So the first pastor's conference was about the book of Nehemiah, how God called them to rebuild not only the physical walls of Jerusalem, but how it represented the spiritual walls. So that was the foundation for that. And then the next year, last year, we did the book of Exodus, when God calls his people out of slavery. What does it look like when God redeems his people? There should be a change in how we think and how we act. And so I wanted the pastors and church leaders to understand that. When God redeems his people, it changes us from the inside out. And there should be a, um, a realization that we have a greater faith in Yahweh, the God of power, who can move in mighty power. And so I wanted the pastors to understand that. Now I feel that we're building the, the building blocks are there to go back next year. And we're going to talk about... Um, spiritual warfare, pulling down strongholds, and releasing God's power. I absolutely believe that revival is coming to Haiti, that God wants the Haitian people to know that he loves them. They are his children, and that God is going to move in mighty power through that nation. They are a nation that has known um, bondage, and they've known despair, and God is, is saying, I have seen my people, I've heard their, their cries and have seen their tears, and I'm going to pour out my spirit across that nation. And so that's what we're doing to build in Haiti. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, thank you. Um, real quick, pass back. Um, Pastor, Haiti has a, a long history of unfortunate natural disasters. It seems like sometimes they can't catch a break. And uh, this past week... Hurricane Matthew just cruised through the country and um, did some stuff there. Can you tell us a little bit about how we as a church can be praying for Haiti right now? Okay, Pastor, comme nous, il semblait que Haïti a un petit problème avec des catastrophes naturelles. Ils ont visité Haïti souvent. So nous avons même connaît en tant que l'église qui façon comment nous capable prier pour Haïti contre genre de bagarre ça. Certainement dans six ans, Haïti connaît deux gros désastres naturel, le tremblement de terre 2010, et semaine dernière, un gros cyclone Matios. En Haïti, vraiment, il y a trois départements qui sont complètement dévastés, et nous-mêmes, nous avons six temples qui détruisent. 
So as we can see, after the earthquake, the earthquake was one of the major um, things happened to Haiti. And then we just have Matthew. And then we have like three of our state, really, 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 they have been affected by the, the storm, by the hurricane. As a pastor in my ministry, we have five of our churches. They have a lot of problems. They have been very affected. Euh, nous avons plusieurs milliers de familles qui sont dans la rue, qui sont sans abri. We have thousands of families directly affected by the hurricane. Uh, nous comprenons uh, uh, si, uh, désastre naturel ça yo. Yo c'est un appel à la repentance parce que pays a besoin d'un réveil spirituel et nous besoin un pile monde qui peut venir à Haïti et porter bourrer pour réveil spirituel ça capable éclater. We understand that what happened to Haiti now is he's like a call from God because we really need a spiritual revival in Haiti. So we invited you to come in Haiti and then to help us to pray for us to to teach us. So God can help us. Mm-hmm. That's good. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We will certainly be praying for you. Um, we're going to transition over here to India. And as I introduce Angel to you, um, we are, as I said, um, starting a new partnership in India. And so I wanted to give Angel a chance to just share her heart and say, so... Um, Angel, why India? Why is India important to Bridgeway? Why is India important to the kingdom of God? Because they've got the most flashy outfits. (laughs) (laughs) And the heaviest gold jewelry. It's all about. No, India is significant to the kingdom because it's got the most number of unreached people groups. So from a kingdom standpoint, it has um, one third of world's unreached population about 1.25 billion people in India, 1.3 billion in China, 1.4 billion Muslims. So just with the three religious blocks, it makes up one-third of it. It's also in proportion about one-third of the population of the U.S. crammed into three, or one-third the land mass, three times the population, which gives way to a lot of issues. So underneath the flashy, you know, the Bollywood, um, the IT outsourcing veneer, there's just a swamp of issues that is very spiritually dark, and they need Jesus. And um, it's also got the most number of modern-day slaves. So you mentioned bondage and, and slavery. They've got 18 million people who are estimated to be in modern-day slavery out of the 45 million. So it's 40% of the slaves all over the world are in India. So it's just got a plethora of issues, but they've also got the most number of children. So they've got the most hope, in a sense, because children are the ones that make the most decisions for Christ. So statistics show that 80% of the people that make decisions for Christ make them between the ages of 4 and 14. And that's why it's important to reach them when they're young. And so India is significant from a kingdom standpoint. Amen to that. Um, so the village that we are going to be partnering with, mm-hmm. um, it's a specific type of people group. Right. Um, we know India is 
complex with their different castes and cultural right. things. And so this cast of people is um, very unique. Can you tell us a little bit more about them? Right. So they are called the Mushar people. And um, Mus stands for rat and Ahar means food. So they're actually the lowest of the low. So I mean, India has a caste system and they have derived their name because they're known to eat rats because they're so poor. And then they're ostracized. So socially they are just ostracized from society. They are politically powerless. They're economically oppressed. Religiously they're considered impure. They can't go into the Hindu temples. And so they're just the bottom of the the rung and um you know we want to we say they're voiceless defenseless powerless and just totally a broken people mm-hmm. but we want to bring the gospel to them because that is the basis for helping to free them because God is still in the business of freeing people setting the captives free right and uh, so we want to send missionaries who will help them understand that they are made in the image of God they are loved they're valued they're beautiful people mm-hmm. and that they can accomplish anything they want mm-hmm. and so that's what this partnership is going to accomplish is that these children will start hearing about the gospel their families will hear hear about the gospel and we hope someday there will be a church planted in that village mm-hmm. amen in jesus name it will so luis tell us a little bit more about imagine ministry what's going on in um, los brasiles nicaragua uh, what's the heart and focus behind the ministry so so many of you went already to Nicaragua, I don't know. But we started in 2008. And uh, so what we do there is we have a feeding program, preschool, and after-school program. We have 120 kids that come, eat lunch every day, and then they come back for classes. And uh, we're actually opening a new school, like a technical uh Technical school that they will be learning how to weld, uh, agriculture, and tourism. So that's the plan for next year. So our focus is education and help the community so these kids can have a better future. That's awesome, brother. So you grew up as a as a kid in Los Priscilas, and Imagine Ministry had an impact on your life. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, that's right. I was one of the little kids running around, getting food for from the teams that will come to this place. And then I met my my friend, boss, and kind of like a father to me. And his name is Coburn, and we started talking about this ministry that he had. And he said, he had the idea of this ministry, and he said so. And we started with like 20 kids, kind of my age, and we had a Bible school every week. And then that's how I got involved. And now we got our first team, and and that's when the ministry started impacting my life and changing my life. And I saw that there was a future, and not just be in that community and live life the way a lot of people used to live. So, Awesome. Thank you. Deb, uh, I want to ask you a little bit. Um, you have been going to Nicaragua for seven years now, partnering with this ministry and investing in a lot of your life and your time and um, heart. So tell me a little bit about your experience. What does this ministry mean to you? 
Uh, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody believes me. Um, it was about seven years ago when we had our Mission Expo, and it was funny because my husband said, he, well, he wasn't my husband at the time. He's like, I want to go to Nicaragua. I'm like, you want to go where? And so when we went there the first time, I met this little 15-year-old kid who uh, I can tell you, I've never been in a place where I felt the Holy Spirit like that. So we were just really touched over like a day and a half of, of spending time with them. So we went back again the following year and just been going back. But it's really about the relationship. And what he's not telling you is the Christ-centeredness of this community. And not only is it a school, not only is it a feeding program, but it's it's a beacon of light. I mean, I have the opportunity. I went down this summer and spent time with this mom who's like a sister to me and and watching what his family does. It's just amazing that they see that the it's a Christ-centered community, and it's just a privilege to be part of it. Amen. Luis, uh, can you tell us a little bit? Obviously, you've been a part of this partnership. What just experiencing seven years with Deb? I, you know, <laughs> you're a big man. No, just <laughs> just teasing. No, um, but. Uh, what does the partnership mean to you? How is it special for Nicaragua and Los Priscillas for Bridgeway to be a part of what's going on there? Um, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about this church is all the help that they bring every time the team goes down. The kids love to see Mama Deb. They call her Mama Deb. And get to meet new people and make new friends. Michaela, she tries to speak Spanish to all the kids. <laughs> the kids are like, what? But and to me, it's amazing just to become a part of your lives, and you guys become a part of my life too. Thank you, brother. That was beautiful. We're going to transition down here and talk to Jim Sorrels from Romania. Jim, can you tell us a little bit about um, the ministry focus, the scope and heart behind um, Heart to Heart? Um, we're a long-term ministry working with orphan children inside the state-run orphanages of Romania. Uh, what this means is we start at the time that they're abandoned as babies in the baby hospital, um, helping, uh, taking care of them, changing diapers, putting on ointment, picking them up, just loving on them, until the point they get into the orphanage. From there, our staff goes into working on a daily basis with them on the just helping them with their schooling, uh, doing all the things that a parent normally would do, up until the point that they're finally aging out of the orphanage. Um, there they enter into our transitional programs, and um, that's where we teach them a trade. We teach them how to take care of themselves, how to manage their own lives, um, all the things that you would really take for granted because we learned it from you know our families. But in an institution, you never learn those things. Um, it's gotten to the point where our kids are working in society, they're, they're doing well, and all of a sudden they're starting to get married, and all of a sudden we realize we've got to teach them what does it mean to be married, what is a Christian view of, of, of marriage. And uh, then the next surprise came along was they started having kids. And we're going, you don't know anything about having kids, you're an orphan. And so we're having to have child-raising classes, and I don't know where this is ever going to end, but, you know, it just keeps going, and... Um, one of the things that I've realized is with our kids, um, 
our organization has become their family. When something goes wrong, we're the ones that they come in contact. I get the call at midnight, I just lost my job, what am I going to do? And I'm like, why are you calling me? And then I realize, well, who else are they going to call? So it's, you know, it, it's that kind of a ministry to where it is a very, very long-term working with these kids, and I think it'll probably be working with them for the rest of their lives. Um, the abandonment of an orphan is something that doesn't just go away once they get 18. It is damage to them that goes all the way through their life. It is, it'll affect them forever. And um, that is why we need to, to work together to do this. Um, Bridgeway has, we're going in our ninth year of working together. I couldn't believe it's been that many years. So I was like, wow. And, um, and when, I, when I think of what nine years of influence in a kid's life is, that is an incredible thing. And it's something that you here at Bridgeway need to celebrate together with us that, that you've done these things. Awesome. Thank you. Standing next to Jim, we have Natalie Brumfield. And Natalie is a part of that, not all of those nine years, but a significant part of the nine-year stuff. Natalie commits herself to going regularly um, every summer and extended periods of time for um, months at a time and has plans uh, once she completes her degree in child development. Is that right? Um, she will be. She would desires to move there and be part of this ministry long term. So, Natalie, tell me, why? What What is the calling? What is this ministry? Why does it mean so much to you? Um, when I first went in 2010, I had no idea what I was going into, and I had the blessing of being able to share it with my mom, who has gone with me since then every year. And um, the kids really just captured my heart. Uh, and what's really cool about Heart to Heart and being able to partner with them is that we get to be a hope for them. And the blessing that I have been able to have for going so many years is that a lot of times when you go for once or twice, you see um, really hard situations with the kids. And in the seven years that I've gone, I've been able to see kids who are making poor choices one year that I went. And then a few years later, they're in the transition program. And then they're getting married, and they're having their first kids. And it's really just... It's captured my heart, the relationships with the kids, the relationships with the staff that I've made, and I've been able to watch a lot of these kids grow up into functioning adults who have turned out more amazing than um, I could have ever imagined. So it's really just awesome to see how God works through heart to heart and through the different teams that come and just all around and how he uses everyone. So... Kurt, tell us, can you tell us a little bit more about um, just kind of the logistics? Give us an overview of what refugee resettlement ministry looks like uh, in the United States. Okay. Well, um, big picture, uh, right now, presently, there are 65 million people in the world who are fleeing war, violence, and persecution. And of those 65 million, um, since 1980, with the passage of the Refugee Act, here in the United States, there's been a formalized process where a very, very small percentage of those can come and find uh, a place of, of uh, a new home and hope uh, for their lives here in the United States. And that's a public-private partnership where the State Department works with nine different uh, non-governmental organizations, and World Relief is one of those nine. So uh, since uh, 1980, World Relief uh, throughout the U.S. has resettled uh, close to 280,000 refugees in the United States through our field offices. And uh, 
If you didn't know, um, there's an office right here in Sacramento, and that office has resettled over 30,000 refugees here into the Sacramento region. So, yeah, great. Um, so I know that you like to speak on this frequently. Um, we are... Uh, God's kingdom first, right? We are believers. Um, there's a lot going on in politics and media right now. Um, Kurt, you love to speak. By the way, Kurt is a, a military veteran. He's also an ordained pastor. So thank you. So he, he has a lens to look at this issue from a lot of different angles and a lot of different perspectives. So Kurt, tell us as the body of Christ, you know, from your viewpoint, what is the Christian response in this situation? Well, in a couple of minutes, I'm not going to be able to answer all your questions, nor do I assume that I have all of them. Um, but what I would like to challenge and encourage you this morning is to pursue four disciplines that will help you develop a Christ-honoring response to this global crisis. And so I want to share them with you very, very quickly. So if you've got a pen and paper, you can even write them down or put them in your phone. Um, four disciplines. Um, if we want to develop, is that something that we can all agree on? We want to we want to follow Jesus in our response to what's happening in the world. So if we agree on that, let's at least commit to these things. We will engage this crisis prayerfully. Prayerfully, we will engage this crisis biblically. We will engage this crisis factually. And then lastly, and almost more importantly, we will engage this crisis relationally, um, prayerfully. What we need from the global body of Christ, including this fellowship right here, is for God's people to go before him and beg him for wisdom and for guidance on how to respond to 65 million people created in the image of God, like you and I, and how to respond to this crisis. Biblically. There's a lot of talk. We hear a lot. But we are people of the book. We're ultimately to go to God's word, not the water cooler, not our favorite cable television network uh, shows, not the blogosphere, not our favorite radio people. We go to the scriptures to inform ultimately how we respond to things. What does God's word say? Um, factually, again, you hear a lot of rhetoric. What is really true? And that's something that we spend a lot of time, and there's no way I can unpack it here this morning, but a lot of time talking with churches and helping them share who are refugees. How do they become a refugee? How do they become a refugee in the United States? What process do they go through? And there's a lot of things that we can share. I want to encourage you to become vigilant students of reality and understand what are the truth, what are the facts out there. And then lastly, relationally, I've never seen anybody develop a Christ-honoring response to any crisis. Um, sometimes we'll hear issue. I don't even like the word issue anymore. Um, when over a year ago, the the image of Aylan Curdy's body washing up on the shore in Turkey went viral, people said that that surfaced an issue. It didn't surface an issue. It surfaced a tragedy with regards to a little child created in the image of God. By the way, he was one of four children who died on that boat, but we don't see the other ones. If you want to really form a Christ-honoring response to this issue, there's no better way to do that than for you to actually get to know a refugee. And that's what's what we have, and we have an amazing opportunity here in Sacramento. Did you know that this next year we're expecting to see 4,000 refugees resettled right here in Sacramento? That's 4,000 men, women, and children creating in the image of God that you 
perhaps have the opportunity to connect with. Perhaps there are missional communities here that will feel a, a heart stir, the God stir on their heart to come alongside and walk with these families. And when you do that, you're going to develop a Christ-honoring response to this issue or this crisis. Amen. So speaking of getting to know refugees, um, we actually have a refugee here with us this morning. This is Majid. Majid is a pastor from Iran, or as we say in America, Iran. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Iran. (laughs) Iran, that's right. So Majid came through the refugee process, and now you're on staff with World Relief as well, right? Yeah. Okay. So, Majid, can you tell us a little bit just about your personal experience, going, um, what happened in your country? Majid is a pastor. Did I say that? He was a pastor. Thank you. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your experience in your country that led you to go through um, this process and, and how the experience has been for you. First of all, it's a pleasure to be among you. And second, I've never thought. Thank you. So my job when I was in Iran, you know, to reach out to Afghan refugees and working with global partners, American and British organization. So I've never thought, you know, a person who is helping refugees in Iran is going to be, become a refugee in another country just because of the faith, you know, practicing and evangelizing. <clears throat> so I do remember when I fled the country and when I went to the UNHCR in Turkey, Ankara, to register and become a you know refugee was really kind of a, you know I felt I'm a kind of orphan you know you know because you know I was carrying my baggage you know do things that I can carry because I really lost everything you know my family my friends and do things that I really loved for some of you probably 2008 crisis is a kind of big kind of example that you can understand, you know, what was it? So I was just there with my family. My wife and child were so tired. And even, you know, because United Nations, because of some people, they were kind of angry. They had those fences. And I was like that, wow, you know, here is totally different. And I've never forgot, because when I was 14, I passed my, my father passed away. I've never felt that much, you know, became an orphan. But when I was in Turkey and became a refugee seeking asylum, I felt I'm no one. I felt I'm no one in the middle of nowhere. And even, you know, I barely understand, you know, what's going to happen, you know, in next couple of years. Am I going to get through? Am I going to survive? And that was a time I was kind of, Lord, how can I pray? How can I be in this midst of difficulty? Yeah. Thank you, Majid. So question to both of you, whoever wants to respond um, to it. Um, World Relief, as I mentioned, is committed to the local church, right? So they don't, you guys don't come seeking the local church saying, hey, help us to do our ministry. You come to the local church and say, hey, you are the church. We want to equip you to engage in this situation and to welcome our refugee friends. So um, tell us a little bit about uh, what that looks like, how the church is helpful, how the church can be helpful, and how we as Bridgeway could potentially get involved. Yeah, fundamental uh, conviction there is that um, the local church can now outsource biblical compassion and justice. Um, if we're going to be followers of Christ, all of us, these are things that we need to own. 
And there's some tremendous ways in which churches can come alongside and embody his, his love to the refugees who are coming here in Sacramento. I started to allude to one of them as far as uh, the potential of maybe missional communities uh, developing what we call good neighbor teams to come alongside and, and walk with refugees for their first months here in the United States. Outside of that, there's a lot of different opportunities uh, to engage and to help our families. Some of the members of the church have already started to do that, and they have tremendous experiences to share as well. And uh, Majid, am I missing anything? You're not? Okay. By the way, he's got a really strange accent, which is a whole story. Some of you might be wondering about that. It's like, what's going on? It's because you learned English from who? Uh, from Aussie. From, from an Aussie. <laughs> so just if that was causing you any confusion that's that's the the background so yeah that's great thank you guys um all right let's let's transition over and talk to stephanie about agape international missions stephanie thank you for being here um can you tell us just maybe uh, give us a better understanding just kind of big picture what um is agape's mission in cambodia Yeah, I would love to. First, I just want to say, are you thankful that we have a God that brings light to dark places? Amen. I'm thankful for a God that has resurrection power so that when there's death, there's hope because there's life in Jesus. And there are few places on earth that have that level of darkness and death like Cambodia, Cambodia that was ravaged uh, by a genocide where millions were killed. And really the understanding of the fundamental value of human life was kind of brought to ground zero. Out of that, we saw this exploitation um, of women, children, the needy, those that were vulnerable. And that's what Agape International Mission is. We are reaching those vulnerable people in the nation of Cambodia and helping Cambodians rebuild Cambodia. Uh, Agape International Missions is actually 98% Cambodian run. Um, the people that are there supporting that mission are from all over the world. And uh, it's really fueled by the church. It's the work of the church on the ground. We have four primary pillars, which you remembered really well. I was really proud of you, um, which are we rescue, restore, and reintegrate survivors, and we prevent exploitation. So I want to give you some fun numbers affiliated with each of these. Um, for rescue, we have a really fledgling team. It's only two years old where we actually have the authority. This is crazy. This is insane what I'm about to tell you. We have the authority to have our own police force that breaks down doors, wears flak jackets and helmets. They go in, rescue girls out. They arrest traffickers, pedophiles, Johns, all the people that are involved in the process. And then... Yeah, praise God. And then we support the victims through the judicial process. So we're seeing amazing first-time-ever things happening in the nation of Cambodia where girls are not only getting rescued, restored, and reintegrated, they're getting justice in their own legal system. It's amazing. (laughs) So, So let me give you a number there. We have this team. It's only two years old. We've been able to assist in the rescue of over 600 people. And just this last month, we hit a landmark. We rescued our 100th child. Praise you, Jesus. 
I just keep saying, I, when I, when I read that number, I was, you know, maybe my heart might have been leaking out of my eyes a little bit as I'm reading that number. But, um, I thought that's 100 empty brothel beds. That's 100 altered stories. That's 100 introductions to Jesus. That's huge. So that's our rescue team, our restoration effort. That's where we take these little girls, and we don't just give them the rescue. We give them a childhood. We give them an introduction to Jesus. We give them a safe space to recover. And in that, we have actually been participating in the life of 500 girls so far. We have 60 at a time in our program. And we're just seeing God do incredible things to the point where our reintegration numbers are unprecedented. Uh, we have a 95% successful reintegration rate. Guys, this isn't the effort of man, government, or institution. This is the effort of the Holy Spirit alive in his people. This is the freedom of Jesus at work in the nations. And the last thing I want to tell you is prevention. Um, we have all kinds of efforts surrounding prevention. You guys understand as a church embedded in community that you can put on a movie screening event and that can be outreach, right? You can put on, uh, you can hand out food, you can do all kinds of efforts, and all they are are opportunities to transform communities, right? Those are the kind of things we do in our prevention efforts. We have a school, a medical clinic. We have a gym where we get to punch people in the face in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's not me getting to do that, sadly. I have a really strong uppercut, though. So, <clears throat> um, But God's doing amazing things, transforming not just uh, the victims, but those who victimize or think that there's nothing else that they can do. Um, I want to tell you a story really quickly because... I'm just kind of excited to be here and affirm the and, and affirm the vision that you guys have for being participants in the gospel in the nations. Um, I was on the phone with someone from the BBC, and he was putting together this documentary, this report on trafficking in the world. And I'm telling him story after story, and I'm like, wow, I'm I'm hitting home runs. Like this guy's understanding. This is a big deal. This is going to go far. And then it's silent for a while on the phone. And he says, this is all really well and good, but why should I care? And I was like, what do you mean? And he says, well, I'm talking to people in the UK. So why should we care? And I was a little taken back. But then I thought, you know what? He's right. Why should, why should they care? It is the natural way to only care about the people you see around you. It is the natural way for a Samaritan to only care about a Samaritan. It is the supernatural way for us to see someone that does not look like us, that does not have the history we have, that needs compassion beyond what we even need, and to reach out with the love of Jesus and to give them what we have been given, which is freedom through Christ. That is supernatural. I want to encourage you as a body that when you participate in international missions, whether it's prayer, whether it's through funds, whether it's going, whatever it is, whether it's supporting missionaries that are around you, you are involved in a supernatural process 
This isn't natural. This isn't normal. Uh, we have a girl who, um, when she was eight years old, I'm sorry, you're not even asking me questions anymore. <laughs> I'm Preacher just, girl. I'm just I preaching. Know. Sorry. <laughs> we have a girl who, um, when she was eight years old, she was sold by her mother to a foreign pedophile. Tortured, tormented, this lasted for years. When she was rescued, she went to our restoration home, and in her words, she told me, it was like I was in heaven. I was safe. I could sleep for the first time. That girl ended up coming to the United States. She got one of five visas that were the first time ever handed out for a survivor of trafficking so she could testify against her her attacker who lived in L.A. So she came here, and she chose to stay here. She went to Roseville High School and graduated. She lives with a Christian family. She got to uh, do her dream of going to a nail salon. She actually did my nails for me today. <laughs> um, but here's, here's the kicker. When I asked her, um, what's the most important thing for you when you tell your story? She said, it's that people that never saw my face or knew my name, helped me when I needed it the most. When she was trapped, she was being prayed for. When she was rescued, it was by people who had never seen her. When she was being restored, she was being supported by people who didn't know her name. And now she is walking proud, tall, happy, in love with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, that's the kind of work that Bridgeway gets to do when you par- participate in missions. Amen. So we'll just go ahead and have Stephanie come back and preach next week. Uh, let's get started here with the uh, Mexicali crew. Um, so I'm going to, if I could, I'm going to ask a question and apply it to both pastors, if I could. So, um, of all places, Mexicali, um, John, you're born in America. Gustavo, you're born in Mexico. You guys both landed in Mexicali. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey, about the calling that God put on your life and, and what brought you to this, um, community in Mexicali? Well, I was a drug addict lost without Jesus. And I went into a drug and alcohol rehab, supposedly, okay? It was actually a Christian life school. And after spending a year there, I went to Bible college. I was attending Bible college, went on staff. And one day my pastor says, well, I need you to go on Monday. You're going to teach a Bible study in Mexico. So I went, being the obedient young man that I was, okay? Oh, I wasn't young then. And, uh, and I, well, first I said, you know what? I really don't know how to speak Spanish too well. And they said, well, there's a, a lady, you know, she's sort of a crazy lady, but she, she'll translate for you. And, and that was, you know, so anyway, that's how I ended up in Mexicali. We ended up working together for two years, three years, right, about. And then the Lord brought us together in marriage, and we are still there. And doing amazing work. Thank you. At least he's going to trans, uh, translate for Gustavo. But same question, Gustavo. What brought you to Mexicali? Okay, buenos dias. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. 
En el año 1997 llegué a, a la ciudad de Mexicali. 97, he arrived in Mexicali. Eh, iba de vacaciones solamente. He was coming to Mexicali just on vacation. Y Dios tocó mi corazón después de dos años viviendo en Mexicali. After two years of living in Mexicali. Él me sacó de las drogas. The Lord took him out of drugs. Eh, tengo 20 años de, de servir a Dios. He's been serving the Lord for 20 years. Hace nueve años que estoy pastoreando una iglesia. Nine years ago he started pastoring a church. Eh, ahí encontré a a esta bella mujer. He found this beautiful woman in there. <laughs> eh, hemos estado trabajando en, en, en una colonia muy conflictiva de Mexicali. They have been serving in a very conflictive uh, neighborhood in Mexicali. Eh, Yo siempre quise pastorear una iglesia. He always wanted to be a pastor in a church. Eh, pero no Mexicali. Not in Mexicali. <laughs> Pero mis pensamientos no son los pensamientos de Dios. But his thoughts are not the Lord's thoughts. Ni mis caminos, sus caminos. And his ways, his ways are not the Lord's ways. Así es que, eh, pues, atendí al, al, a la invitación de Dios a mi vida y acepté. He listened to the Lord's invitation into his life and he accepted. Y, y es una alegría servir a Dios. It's a joy for him to serve the Lord. Thank you. So, Pastor Matt just whispered in my ear, it seems like Mexicali might be a good place to go if you're looking for a good uh, wife. To... <laughs> so, okay, next question, next question for the wives. Uh, tell us, Alicia and Francis, please, tell us, tell us a little bit about your heart for your community. Dinos, ¿cómo, qué tienes en tu corazón para tu comunidad, para tu ser, la gente que sirves? Ajá, ¿cuál es el deseo de tu corazón para ministrar a la gente de tu comunidad? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. She's, she's camera yeah. shy and microphone shy. Hola, yo les bendiga. Hello, the Lord bless you. Um, and nosotros eh, queremos servir a, a la comunidad. They want to serve their community a través de, de un discipulado uh, para poder eh, enseñarles más sobre el amor de Dios them to teach them about the love of God. trabajar con, con las mujeres Especially work with women, con los niños with children, y en particular con los matrimonios que tienen conflictos with the marriages in trouble. Eh, gracias a Dios me dio la oportunidad de eh, estudiar y, y terminar el trabajo social. She studied to be a social worker. She just finished school. Y esto me va a ayudar a ayudar a la gente. And that would help her help others. No more. Same question for me. Um, my husband and I have seen through the many years that we've been in ministry uh, the great need of the poor. We work at, um, amongst the poorest of the poor in our area. People who, who in, in some areas, don't even have uh, electricity or running water. And we see that education is a hand up for them. So we encourage that a lot 
in our communities. Uh, we also uh, try to minister to them using the It's amazing because the Lord brings uh, the needs to be met, and then we get to inject the Word of God through the needs. For example, we have a medical clinic that a friend from San Diego comes every two weeks, comes over, and we do medical clinics at the dump, at uh, the brickyards, at the uh, Rio Hardy where we live. And we have people coming to the clinics, and we get to pray with every patient. We get to uh, talk to every patient, listen to their hearts, and realize that a lot of their medical problems are most mostly problems of the heart, they're problems of the soul. And so we get to minister a lot in those ways, meeting their needs. Very good. Thank you. Okay, so I know that uh, we have enjoyed a great partnership with both of you and your churches and communities. Um, I want to turn, if I could, to Pastor Matt and, and Jim, whoever wants to take the reins on it. Um, tell Hello. us about... <laughs> oh. Tell us. Maybe that was a mistake. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about this partnership, what it's meant to you guys, uh, why do you keep going year after year, uh, and, and what's special for Bridgeway? So I think for me, it's um, what's really interesting is to go to Mexico, and even though there's differences in culture and differences in language, um, we still get to see what we have in as far as a commonality of brokenness. And it's also something that's really cool to be able to see how God works in a different culture to bridge the gap for that brokenness, to bring his grace, to bring his mercy and his love. And um, just that the gospel has the same meaning there as it does here. And I think also um, it, it really sharpens me to be seeing how God works in that way and then to bring that back home and just have a different mindset here, and plus the blessing of friendships. So that's a huge blessing to me. So, Yeah. it's uh, Thanks, Jim. Um, it, is, it has been really rich over the last six years to watch these partnerships form and to see what happens. One of the things that's happening quite dynamically at both sites is the amount of youth in both of these areas of Robledo and Rio Harde that are their kids growing up that they're looking for answers and they're seeking identity and both of these churches have put a lot into the children and the youth and their families and and you see both of these couples pouring out and so what's awesome about all the ministries that our church has partnered with is we go to these places and God's already at work. It's not that we're bringing something for the first time. We are partnering with people that are doing the day in and day out ministry to the children, the teens, the adults. And I mean, we're super impressed and we are honored to get a chance to come and just, we want to spend more than a week there. We want to spend, we want to just move everyone from our church down there. Are you in? And, uh, but I mean, globally, I mean, that's actually part of the vision, you know, is like, let's all get out and go do this. So yeah. Amen. Thanks, Pat. So we're going to transition over now and talk to Pastor Steve a little bit and the Yaka guys. Um, Pastor Steve, we love you here. You've been a deep part of our... <laughs> you've got some fans out there. Uh, you've been a, a deep part of our church and our growth um, as a body here. Uh, but tell us a little bit more for those who may not have a clear understanding. Give us a little bit more uh, vision into what um, Yaka is, what the focus of the ministry is, and your heart that keeps you going, what fuels you. 
Uh, thank you so much. I'll begin with the what keeps me going. Uh, what keeps me going is the children uh, whom God has blessed me with. And uh, it's really a joy to be called a dad. Uh, we have like a thousand plus students. And uh, that's what keeps me going. Okay. Yes, uh, with the what is happening in Uganda, a lot of ministry, discipleship, and uh, uh, children coming to us for education. And, uh, yeah. Okay, and I introduced this gentleman to you at the front end, but this is, again, Nathan McInturf. Nathan is the uh, U.S. Director of Yaka Africa. He's also a Bridgeway member, and um, Yaka and Bridgeway, as I mentioned, are, are very, in some ways, one and the same. Um, we have a lot of overlap and um, partnership, and so and I just wanted to give Nathan an opportunity. To, Nathan, tell us a little bit more um, kind of where Yaka's going, you know, kind of maybe a little bit of where it's been and what the vision is going forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely one of the uh, exciting aspects of Yaka is that it's started with the Bridgeway family. It really started back in what 2008, and uh, it's been it's been amazing to see it grow over time as we've uh, partnered with with Pastor Steve um, to see the school grow. Um, my wife and I have been over twice, um, and every time we go, it's it's so exciting to meet the kids, to see to see their hearts, see what they're like, uh, to see the school grow, and to see not only that, but to see the uh, community transformed. Um, Yaka actually means uh, is the Lugandan for uh, like the spark at the beginning of a flame, and that actually is kind of how we view um, we view uh, Yaka and the school and the regions that it's serving. Um, it's really intended to be a discipleship. Um, kids will be able to go to school and not just receive a quality education, which is something very lacking in that region, um, but then they're learning about the Lord. They're being discipled, and then they're growing up to be leaders for future generations. And that's, um, as we've been partnering with them now for such a long history, we've been able to see evidence of that and see a new generation um, growing up as leaders and serving their communities and even the region where the school is located. To see people's understanding of what it, what, what God's presence does in their life is, has been amazing to watch. And so um, our, some of our goals have been to better make sure all of the students at the school are sponsored um, because they allow students to start who don't have yet a sponsor, believing and praying that God will provide that. And so our, our constant efforts here in the U.S. are to tell the stories of what God's doing over there in, in the lives of the students and to get sponsorships for them. Um, and Pastor Steve will, will tell you one of the big things they're doing right now is Togo High. It's a vocational school where kids can um, who've, who've graduated from TICC are able to go and learn a trade as well as or, or be prepared to go on to university. And so that's one of our biggest projects coming up that we're doing is, is actually building construction on this new campus. It's a whole other campus. And so, um, so there's a lot of exciting, um, a lot of exciting growth that's happening, but it's all under the same umbrella. It's all for the same goal of, of training up leaders and disciples to be able to affect that region. And, and as they grew up there, they're taking it, um, they're taking it to their families and it's spreading throughout the community. So that's been, it's been a neat part of our relationship with Bridgeway. And as we continue to grow as a, as a, as a, as a nonprofit here in the States, um, Bridgeway is always going to be our home. That's always going to be um, our roots. So, awesome. Thank you, sir.
Moving down the line, uh, Ben Smith. Uh, ben and his wife Courtney have been deeply involved with uh, Yaka Africa and Pastor Steve for many, many years now. And uh, Ben uh, is part of the Yaka team, the organization team. He's also part of our Bridgeway team. And so he's serving a lot of hats as well. And he um, is leading the mission teams that go over there. And as I mentioned to you guys briefly, we do have a team co- um, going in summer uh, 2017 in August, and um, uh, Pastor Lance will be a part of that for the grand, the grand opening, the grand opening of Togo International Children's Center. So it's going to be a, a great event, and they're also going to be doing some construction on the uh, school. But I just want to give Ben, uh, before I t- talk all about it, give Ben a little opportunity to um, tell us a little bit more about what's in store for that trip and what what your hope is uh, to come of it. Yeah, so um, we actually opened the school in 2010 with 132 students. Um, there's over a thousand at that campus alone. Um, we went. We it's a it's it's a basically a 10 year program from nursery school all the way through primary seven. Um, we just recently completed uh, primary seven, so all of our kids that were in second grade when it opened, they finally graduated, and um, we want to do a grand opening because we, we haven't really celebrated the opening of our school yet, and so um, because so many of you have been so deeply involved, you've been praying for us, you have blessed us with your finances, um, and a lot of you have gone with me on mission trips, so... Um, what we wanted to do was we wanted to extend to all of you the opportunity to come out and to celebrate with us um, all the great things that have been happening, not just in the school, but in the communities, um, the evangelism, the, um, the, the like hygiene work and all kinds of stuff. We have a medical clinic. Like There's so much going on over there, and we want to invite you to come out and to see what we've been doing with your money and with your prayers um, and to really celebrate with us. So... Um, Hopefully there'll be a couple of, uh, you know, government dignitaries and whatnot. But what, what we really want to see is, is uh, all of you out there. Um, and the kids are so blessed. Like, if you have a sponsor kid and you get to see them, like, they just come unglued. It's amazing. When your sponsor kid finally gets, like, it's exciting for you, but that kid goes nuts. And it's awesome. Um, and so, again, like, we just, we really want to celebrate um, what we've all done together, what we've done as, as, a, as a church family. Um, over there in Uganda. And so if, if it's ever been on your heart to go to Uganda, if you've ever thought, man, I'd really like to go to Uganda, but I just don't know when the right time is, it's this coming summer. <laughs> That's the right time. If you thought about it, it's time. <laughs> That's it. Come. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for the, um, thank you all. Uh, can we give them one more round of applause, all these guys? Thank <laughs> you.